Are you feeling stuck, lost, tired, or uninspired? We've all been there, including myself. I'm Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. I'm here to tell you that the best, unapologetic, and limitless version of yourself is yet to come. The Born Unbreakable podcast is here to inspire just that. With motivating guests from all different walks of life and around the world, their stories will empower you to unlock abundance and your unbreakable spirit. Do you need accountability? Reach out to me for a free consultation of how I can support you in reaching your maximum potential. This episode is brought to you by Korma Date Coffee, the healthy alternative to coffee. This delicious date coffee has the health benefits of giving you natural energy, antioxidants, vitamins, minerals, and fiber. Best of all, Korma is caffeine-free. No jitters, no anxiety, and no afternoon crash. Go to KormaCafe.com, that's K-O-R-M-A-C-A-F-E.com, and enter discount code BORNUNBREAKABLE at checkout to get 10% off your order. Welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast. It's February. I'm I'm blown away because this year, this 2022 is just, it's going by fast. It's a good thing though. I do think it's a good thing. It means um, my word for the year, which I've talked about on previous episodes is momentum. So I certainly feel like I'm leaning in to that word. Hopefully for all of you that are joining this awesome conversation today, feel like you're leaning into your words of intention and your wishes for the year. But I'm really excited about my guest today. This is one of the biggest things that I've been looking forward to this week um, in the midst of all the busyness and my team losing. I have to just call that out if there's any 49ers fans that watched you know, the championship situation and yeah. But the teams that are meant to go to the Super Bowl, the Rams and the Bengals are going and they sure do deserve it. So yeah. My husband, by the way, he's a 49ers fan. I mean, that's <laughs> why this is even a better conversation. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, football is one of those things that can be highly emotional, especially mm-hmm. in America. <laughs> you know, it's so. crazy. You guys are crazy over here. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it really is crazy. We are, you know, our, your whole mood and your whole day or week can be influenced by what a, what a football team does here. So it's pretty, it's pretty spectacular, but it is, it is an event to look forward to. So I'm sure everybody is excited about that. Um, and any, even if you don't really care about the teams, it's always a good excuse to get together, have a party, have a good time, and hopefully see some commercials that are worthwhile because they cost like a million or 2 yeah. million or 5 million or whatever million dollars. So they better be pretty good. But um, needless to say, I have Deirdre Chen with me today. And she is a rock star in so many ways. She's the founder and CEO of Capshow, which is a software company that helps entrepreneurs turn their stories into a bank of captions and emails. On top of being a CEO of a company, she's also the creator of Virilocity Marketing. She's the author of Traffic Formula and host of the Remarkable Entrepreneur and Remarkable Entrepreneur's Playbook 
podcast. So that is absolutely something that you have to check out. And she's a serial entrepreneur. She knows what it's like to start businesses, end businesses, grow businesses. So if you're here today, whether you are a small business person, a big business person, or have even thought about a side hustle, because that's a, that's a lot of the ways that we start businesses today, especially over the course of the last two years, we've seen during the pandemic an incredible amount of creativity emerge. Um, Deirdre has so much to share in this space and a lot of hands-on experience. So I'm really grateful for your time of being here. And I also have to say, Deirdre hails from Australia, but resides in New York. So if you happen to be watching this episode, you'll notice that there is snow <laughs> behind her. Yes. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You are so much fun. Uh, already, I'm already having fun. <laughs> and we've just started. And I was going to say, I think that... Um, part of the move to New York City was just so that my husband could actually watch football every single week. <laughs> See? See how important it is? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> now, when did you move from Australia to New York? Uh, so we have been here now for two and a half years. Okay. So pretty much just before the pandemic hit, which was great timing. <laughs> I was going to say, it's good yeah. to beat that, that <laughs> situation. <laughs> Um, although it's funny because I was telling Deirdre that I have a little bit of an obsession with koalas. So I, no, it's a little bit, it's a little strange. I, you know, they're just, they're cute. They're, you know, I just want to hug one. I don't know if they actually like doing that. They probably don't like doing they that. But yeah, every time I, <laughs> I think they like their independence. Um, but in my world, they would want to hug me back. Um, and so I do have a goal of going there. And I would mm. actually like to adopt one. So yes. <laughs> amazing. You must go. Amazing. Yes. Oh, but you know, you obviously have this incredible entrepreneurial story. But before Deirdre, the entrepreneur, mm. there was Deirdre, you know, growing up and having dreams. So if you could just take us back, tell us about your life, um, you know, growing up in Australia and then what led you into the world of entrepreneurship. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's funny because you say, you know, before there was uh, Deirdre, the entrepreneur, my mind was already being like there was Deidre, the overachiever, the, you know, that was kind of, you know, my life in a way. Uh, we So we do come from Sydney. I grew up in Sydney, moved over there from Malaysia. So my parents actually originally from Malaysia uh, and moved over when I was a baby. And just like a lot of first migrant families and parents, they did that so that they could give my brother and I better education, better opportunities, better life, all of that. And so we definitely grew up in um and I don't think they meant to do it, but, you know, you kind of feel this guilt of like, you know, they kind of upended their lives for us in a way um, so that and we had to kind of almost, you know, make something of it. Uh, so for me, that meant that I was tutored from a very early age, I think from third, basically from third grade, uh, I got, you know, private tutoring. I played the piano pretty much all my life, although uh, until I was able to negotiate being able to give up the piano, like I played all my life, all of my life, 
now, seriously, I would not be able to read any music. I wouldn't even know how. Like, it's it's crazy. I was like, at the first chance that I could stop it, I did. Um, And, you know, so that was kind of, yeah, like, you know, I went to, I did all of the tests. I went to the top um, selective school that they have in in Sydney. Um, You know, I got into, I did a law degree now. That is a little bit of a, a, a blip in my record because my parents actually wanted me to do medicine. And I ended up doing a law degree instead. <laughs> Which, yeah, yeah, those were not yeah. adjacent at all. You could be an attorney for medical malpractice or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> no, they wanted to be able to say they have a doctor in their family and I just, uh, I, yeah, just destroy their dreams. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, so all, you know, I, to be honest, I didn't know what it is I wanted to do. For a long time in high school, I did think that I was going to go down that path of becoming a doctor and doing that. But um, once I we had to put our preferences in for what subject to take in university, I was like, I couldn't do it. I just, there was something in me that was like, I'm going to hate it. So I I immediately in that moment, I knew that I wanted to do something in, in business. I didn't know what. So I did a commerce degree um, and I did a law degree um, just in case. I don't know. Again, overachieve. Just in case. Rubber, just like, like, don't worry about that. I'm just going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of, you know, my life growing up. And and a lot of it, you know, I think I mentioned sort of the the guilt and the, you know, that, that first migrant story of having to live up to certain expectations. And I've carried that with me a lot. Um, and I still think that a lot of that, does make its decisions for me, which isn't the best thing, by the way, to do. Um, and so I, it is something that I have to battle every now and then. Um, but I did go, so I did go into corporate. Uh, I worked for the biggest investment bank in Australia. It's called Macquarie Bank. And, you know, in, again, overachieving style, I was, you know, promoted relatively quickly. I was really fortunate at a pretty early age to be in pretty senior rooms. Um, I was leading a stream of work in one of the biggest projects across the bank that was happening. It was like a once in a decade kind of regulatory reform that was happening in the banking industry in Australia. And so, you know, I was communicating with people, super senior people all the way to the CEO um, and, you know, leading this stream of work. So I was, I was really, really fortunate, but at the same time, what that um, sort of opened my eyes to, I guess, is the politics that happens. You know, we see, we hear about it. We hear about, oh, there's politics and, you know, but until you're in those rooms and you see it actually happening in front of your eyes and then you leave those rooms and you hear the back channeling happening and all those conversations, like offline conversations that are happening, you just, you don't really get the, the, the realness of it. And it was in that, that moment that I actually experienced the realness of it. And that was when I was like, I don't think I want to do this like I don't think that I want to become have to potentially become this person to climb the corporate ladder so that was that was kind of an epiphany I had um at that stage and but I didn't know still didn't know well I had no skills as such to speak of no real talents no real creativity in the traditional sense of like you know like just spin something up and or just start making things and I just I had none of that um and so I didn't really, I was kind of a little bit stuck. I didn't know what, what to do. Um, at that same time, my now husband, then boyfriend and I had just moved out and we were kind of adulting because we had to, so we were having to like, oh, what's this thing we have to cook for ourselves now? 
Um, and he, it was funny because he was actually studying medicine and he was not enjoying it, but he did find this outlet of, um, of cooking and, and particularly baking. He was really loving baking. I love eating desserts. So it was a match made in heaven, literally. I love it. Uh, <laughs> so he was perfecting all of these desserts, like all the things I love eating and really, really enjoying it. And from there we were like, you know what, maybe we can open a dessert bar. Like totally random. We do not have a background hospitality at all. None of that. We don't even know the first thing in terms of opening a physical brick and mortar store thing. But we're like, well, let's try it anyway. <laughs> Why not? Exactly. And so that's how we actually got started in entrepreneurship. Uh, we opened our first store. It was back in 2013. Um, it was a little store. It was kind of like concept, but we we tried to, you know, we, we were kind of looking at rent and things like that, and trying to keep it relatively low, but still, you know, you want to maximize every opportunity that you that you can get. Um, now, would I recommend hospitality or brick and mortar store as anyone's first business? Probably not. Like, <laughs> we did not know what we we're in for. It was like you're in debt from like way before you even open the doors because the place has to be fitted out and it costs a lot of money to get builders and, you know, equipment and all the things in there. And then you open your doors and from day one, from day zero, you're paying supplies, you're paying wages. Like we were really not prepared <laughs> for the enormity of it. Mm -hmm. um, so that was our first foray into entrepreneurship. But and we did, like, we we had no idea what we were doing. And we did think that, because we were so excited about it, that if we build it, that they will come. And I think a lot of mm -hmm. us fall into that trap, right, of build it and they will come. And uh, unfortunately, that strategy does not work. You cannot just build it <laughs> and expect them to come. Because uh, we, mm -hmm. we suffered. It was months and months and months of just, like, red, getting deeper in the red, deeper in the red and to the point mm -hmm. that I would actually feel claustrophobic being in the store sometimes because I was just like I don't know how we're gonna anxiety gave you anxiety exactly. what, what 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 was the biggest thing that you learned at that time when you had that experience oh gosh I think the biggest I mean in in if I if I think about I'll talk yeah I will answer that question but in hindsight kind of like one of the things so I say tongue-in-cheek not to go into hospitality because you're on the hook for so many things. You're on the hook for debt, leases, like basically having to pay for things without potentially even having made any money. And now would I change that for my journey? Of course not, because that was my journey that I had to go on. And now looking in hindsight, it was like because I was on the hook, it made me actually have to keep going. And that was, and to answer your question, like what was my learning was that like, I, I didn't have a choice. <laughs> we didn't have a choice. You know, I, we had to keep going because we couldn't, we had signed a three-year lease. You can't just break leases. You know, we had, we had this debt. You can't just not pay debt. Like, unlike now where, you know, starting up an online business. And as you said, with COVID hitting, I think there's like, it's just been a lot of people, you know, going into that space. With an online business, you can sort of kind of cheaply like spin something up shut it down if you know things aren't working or if you we did not have that luxury so in a way we I don't know whether in that moment 
we necessarily learnt anything specific, um, but it was more we just knew it was almost like fight or flight, right? Like you know, it was mm-hmm. coming down that core response and we knew we had to fight in order to keep this thing going. Um, so that was, yeah, and, and we did, right? And from that journey, we definitely learned a whole host of things um, about how we actually have to market ourselves, like we have to actually promote ourselves because I think a lot of times we get so, we feel so passionate about things and, and so passionate about an idea that we forget about the hard part, which is how do you actually get People have to know there. about us yes, to exactly. buy our dessert. Exactly. <laughs> totally forgot about that. So that was then, you know, that whole journey um, of us going going on that. That was, yeah, our next our next path. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. So you so you, you you mentioned starting it in 2013. So did you what happened with the business? Yeah. So we actually got over we we managed to get the word out there. Uh, we did grow it and we actually grew it to the point where we had five stores, five of those locations, uh, five of yeah, five locations of the chocolate of the brand. Uh, so, yeah. So how did we make it happen? I don't sometimes I'm like, yeah. How did, OK, so we were fortunate as well. And I kind of I know I, I keep saying that I feel fortunate and I, and I genuinely do. And I feel really grateful for some things that um, have happened along the way. But one of those things was that back then, 2013, you know, we're talking about like nine years ago. That was also when Instagram was kind of growing um, and starting to take off. So we were fortunate because we were able to ride that wave. Uh, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, we had a, a staff member just be like, all of my, like, she's a little bit a little bit younger than us. Uh, she was like, oh, we're all on Instagram. You have to be on this thing. And so she just started it. I was like, I don't know. I've never seen this thing before. It was like um, the TikTok of yeah, the, yeah. the mid-20, you know, 2000s <laughs> yeah exactly really exactly. yeah um so yeah so we we got on instagram and then we started leveraging other people's audiences so we we started off with bloggers because that was at the time that was the big you know blog blogging was the big thing um the big influence when you're if you're an influencer you were a blogger and so we were inviting bloggers in and the and then they'd come you know one or once or twice a week as in we would have one one or two a week and um it's not like a strategy like leveraging people's audiences is going to like immediately get you known, but it's the momentum, like the more that you have and the more that people, because people follow like people, right? So we were inviting foodies in. And so all of these other, their audiences were being like, oh, like this person's talking about them and this person, like I have to go try this this place out. And then the more these bloggers that were coming in, the more that they were saying, oh, by the way, like we're also going to post about you on Instagram, on this thing called Instagram. We're like, oh, yeah, well, I I know about Instagram. (laughs) Sure. Sounds good to me. Exactly. And so more and more we could see that transition, that shift going from from bloggers, food bloggers, to actually food influencers on Instagram. And so we kind of like started going all in on that strategy, like who were, you know, back then the influencers um, who like food influencers, especially in Sydney, that we could reach out to and, and have them come in and help spread the word. That like that grew us. That really helped us explode. We were also doing a lot of things, um, you know, apart from that, where we were running like contests and we were doing a lot of other things to create vir- virality in you know in our in our brand and what we were offering to the point where yeah, like we were just getting pinged on social media, like we were constantly getting like people putting up photos of us we were getting review after review and it was it was it was great like it was you know that moment like it's like that moment that shift where you're like 
it just feels like you're like trudging through mud all this time trying to gain this traction and suddenly you hit this point and it kind of almost seems easy like that that's kind of and I think a lot of entrepreneurs when they're growing their business feel they they understand that because there's that moment when it's like wow now people are coming to us and they're asking us to collaborate with them or they're asking us to you know like that's the beauty I think just keep going yeah there's a pivot that occurred yeah Yeah. and so then you have five stores so we yeah so we grew that grew it to five stores now along the way um we have had many failures uh we have had to close um a, a couple because honestly like a mix of ego being ego driven bad decision making being young and naive like you know just landed us in some pretty bad deals um that we had mm-hmm. to extract ourselves out of um and so those were really really stressful times as well but yeah we we had grown it to five locations um and closed a couple and now being over here we have we're we are gonna we're aiming to sell the business this year but um essentially where we've as a couple of leases have ended we've also just ended like closed doors as well wow yeah what a journey <laughs> But and and I appreciate the the candor, you know, because there's every emotion attached to it. There's excitement to do something new. There's the the scariness because things are difficult, and then there's the perseverance because you actually, when the pressure's on, are able to get to the other side and and actually grow a business. So so now fast forward and cap show. So what is the story behind your current business? Wow. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> uh, the, I mean, the whole story does still stem back to stem back to the chocolate. So let me um, let me take you, you know, kind of fast-ish forward from that point to, to now. Uh, because, you know, when we were when we were building the chocolate, we also actually started a burger restaurant alongside it. So Stacks on Burgers, and we have two of those locations still running in Sydney as well. And then what happened was literally, gosh, three, three and a half, four years ago now, um, we found out that one of our store managers of our biggest, uh, like our busiest store was located in the city. We found out that he had been stealing from us and he'd been stealing, like we're talking about like hundreds of thousands of dollars. It was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Talk it about having like a Netflix store. movie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it was heist. crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, but, trillion like, heist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so and at that time, you know, we it was it's a it's a big shock to the system when something happens like that because, you know, any I think any betrayal of trust, whether it's in a romantic relationship or in a family or something like this, um, is a big deal and it kind of does something to your perspective and it. So in that moment when we had found out um we it kind of made us question a lot of things and specifically if the path that we were on was what we wanted to be on and where we saw our future and so ash and i my my husband and i had to have a really honest conversation about it uh because and i mean the good thing is that we were both really aligned that while we had while we loved it it wasn't we weren't in love with you know what we were what we were doing mm-hmm. um and 
at the same time, I had actually been exploring a fashion technology idea with another co-founder. So someone I had met in corporate, um, Bonner. And when we made the decision to move, because um, it was kind of one of those effort where just let's just do this because I've always wanted to live and work overseas. Mm-hmm. And I, kind of, I remember having a chat to her and being like, I know that we're working on this thing. And I'm sure we can make it work, you know, like you can do the Southern Hemisphere hours, I'll do Northern Hemisphere and it's like, you know, we'll make it work. But dream I think what more... makes the dream work, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, well, the more that we spoke about it, the more, and then it came to this point where I was just like, you know what, do you just want to come? Like, do you want to just come to New York too? And she was like, no, okay. <laughs> so, so I actually came to New York with my, my husband, my cat, and my co-founder in tow. Uh, so we, um, yeah, we kind of hit the ground running because, you know, honestly, what better place in than New York for the intersection of technology and fashion, right? And we're like, it's a no-brainer. So we hit the ground running with this idea. We actually, so our hypothesis was that our, our customers were going to be either college students or young professionals and so we went to Columbia um, campus and NYU and Wall Street and just like randomly spoke to women who were super generous with their time when these random Aussies were coming up to them uh, wanting to have a chat. You just you just you walked on like to a Columbia campus you would physically walk up to somebody they're sitting there having their coffee with their book open and you just started a conversation. Yeah yeah it's crazy because, by the way, I'm a massive introvert, so I hated doing any of that. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I am not. So I would. So luckily for me, my my co-founder Bonner, she's more of an extrovert. So I I just kind of like push her to do the because it's always the initial thing. It's always the initial that moment that I I can't. I really really struggle doing. But you know, once the conversation's going, I'm like, I'm super comfortable then. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I so. That, you know, as you said, teamwork makes a dream work. And that was, you know, <laughs> there you go, Bonner, go, go, go say hi. Yeah, to let, let her break the ice. Yeah. <laughs> make it comfortable. And then you could, you know, yeah, join exactly. in. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we, were do- so we were doing that. And, you know, and at the same time, we were kind of like working on, on the back end, the actual um, algorithm, like the, the brain of it. And what we realized, so we actually, we actually ended up, failing that business, that idea. Because in talking to these women, uh, we it was a problem that they were, that we were solving for a problem that was real, but the way that they were solving for it already was good enough. And we, didn't, we just didn't have the runway to be able to keep something going that would need to break a habit where it wasn't really compelling enough for them to break, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually decided to fail that idea, which led us, which meant that we f- we kind of fell into the next thing. Um, so at the same time that we were, we were talking to these women, we were also talking to brands because it was a two-sided marketplace. And mm-hmm. whenever we spoke to these brands, the one thing, and we always was like, you know, what's your biggest problem? the one thing that they would say time and time again was acquisition, like acquiring. And we know this, right? As entrepreneurs, it's like that's always such a big, you know, even when I back to the chocolate days, that was the problem we came up because like how do we get this, the word out there? How do we actually get people in? And so uh, what we actually did, we ended up falling into helping these brands acquire customers. So we we did a bit of agency work, um, a mix of ads, social media, and 
um, this thing called that we were calling live conversion methods. So actually going live as a boutique to an audience. So that's kind of what we were helping them with. And then from there, we sort of um, fell into coaching because we didn't really want to scale an agency business. And that's really hard to scale. Um, and we kind of wanted to, st to work with entrepreneurs at the, you know, the gra grassroots level, like kind of help them build their own businesses. So we actually started coaching e-commerce, other e-commerce businesses to grow um, their business. And through that journey, in speaking to our clients and even the, what we were struggling with was all the time, it was like, I know how important it is to be on social media. For us, things had changed, right? Like from nine, almost 10 years ago now, like with the Chockpot, as I said, we were fortunate because we were able to ride the Instagram wave. Like as they grew, we grew. We don't have that luxury anymore. I mean, yes, there's TikTok, um, but and that's great, and definitely, you know, is is um, definitely a channel worth exploring to anyone listening to this. But for those who know that, for example, Instagram, Facebook is where are where their customers and clients are. Mm -hmm. It was hard. It was still hard reaching them on a platform like that mm -hmm. and so yeah. and and it was also hard creating content after content and feeling like you were this voiceless and like you you'd say something and it would just like fall into this pit this abyss of like you know no Black one would, exactly <laughs> you'd hear the echo coming back at you yeah <laughs> yeah so um that's what we started we were like we know that we can help solve that problem. We know that we can help essentially solve, help entrepreneurs take the crappiness out of content creation. And so that's what, when Capture came about. Uh, that was when it was born. That is incredible. And, and I can only imagine anybody listening thinking that they're facing this problem right now. Because, you know, again, and, and I'm sure if we sat here and studied the statistics of the number of small businesses that emerged, mm -hmm. um, especially online in recent times, how much that would be. And, and marketing, reaching your target audience yes. is something everybody is trying to do creatively every day. Yes. So you know, what one or two strategies can you talk about that helps people like that? Yeah. So I think the first thing is all about storytelling. Um, and I think that's why I just love, I love speaking to you because you, you know the power of storytelling. We were having a quick chat about this before where that's essentially how people connect. That's how we connect with each other is through our stories. And, but for some reason, when we create content or we write our captions or whatever, like that just, because it's hard, it's hard to do as well. Um, I totally get it. And we just forget that that's actually how we should be communicating with our audience um, is through our stories. And, and, or we might know, we might know it intellectually, but then putting it into practice is difficult. It's like, well, how do I structure a story and how do I put it, do it in a short form content for something like an Instagram? That is actually going to as our attention spans have diminished to you know five seconds at a time <laughs> yeah. yeah you know uh, yeah that isn't isn't that the way it is right if you're if you're if and we all do this and we all know this yeah we have smartphones we're scrolling through 
Facebook or Instagram and your attention span, right? So even when you do a story, there's 15 seconds yeah. that you have to get across something that's captivating, interesting, that's going to make somebody want to click whatever it is, whether it's a business, uh, a service, a product, whether you're retail or you're a coach. Yeah. Um, and then if it's your curated content, like on a timeline that's static, mm -hmm. it's still the same thing. If it's a moving thing, if it's even if, when it's past 15 or 30 seconds, people might have stopped watching yes. yeah. already. Totally. Right? So yeah. isn't it this instant gratification world that we're in where if you don't get your point across really fast, you've missed an opportunity? Yeah. And that's where, I mean, and that's, that's where the hook comes in, right? Like the hook is where you need to capture people's attention. If you have a really great hook, whether that's a graphic or whether that's even the first line of whatever you're, you're writing, that's going to want to compel people to actually stick, stick around a little longer. And when you have something compelling that they stick around for, like you telling your story, like you being real and authentic and open and vulnerable, like you sharing how, you know, you were able to come to some kind of realisation or you were able to do something that they want to do as well, they want to be able to do, that's when you get engages, engagement. That's when you get followers. That's when you get a raving tribe. Like that's, that's really, and it comes down to that connection um, because if you don't build that connection, why is anyone really going to, care or stick around long enough to actually want to keep following you. Um, so that's why I'm a huge, huge advocate for telling your stories in whatever form, format, medium that is, you want to try to be telling your stories as much as possible. That's huge. <laughs> yeah. Well, it connects us, you know, it's what I think has held a lot of us up. In, the, in this yeah. time is just, you know, knowing that you're in good company, knowing you're in community, yeah, feeling like there's people there that, yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly, exactly. And like my, my personal approach, because I know that, you know, it's, we all battle, a lot of us battle this imposter syndrome thing, um, oh, <laughs> thing that I call, right? <laughs> like, I know for me, I'm like, why would... It is, yeah. And I, I, I know personally I'm like, why would anyone want to listen to what I have to say? Like who, who am I to, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not an expert. I don't have these amazing superpowers or skills to talk of. So I battled with that a lot. And how I've come, what I've come to realise is that actually when I can be open and authentic about the journey that I'm on, so not even to say, hey, I have it all figured out because, by the way, I don't. Um, all of my clients, my community, they know this or they should know this by now because I'm very, very real about the fact that I have a lot of it not figured out. Um, but, hey, like if you're interested in following me on this journey because you're on this journey too, then we can figure it out together. Mm -hmm. And so that's how my approach to it is like this imposter syndrome thing that I've always, always battled with is because I think ultimately it was really misaligned with my message and what I and how I could help or impact people. Um, yeah. And so once I got to that realization, it just made it so much easier for me to, to share and keep yeah. sharing. You know, I, I have to acknowledge that I meet so many people through my consulting work and my coaching work and imposter syndrome 
time and time again comes up. And the thing about it, for anyone listening, is it can feel cyclical. And what, what I mean by that is we are always embarking on a new mountain. After we've, after we've reached the peak of one, you are ready to climb the next one, right? And so in the journey to doing that, there's new obstacles, there's new learning that needs to happen. You don't know everything. You need to ask for help. You need to do your research. You have to have due diligence. And in that, it can feel daunting because yes. that admittance of learning that you still need to do can make you feel and impact your confidence in how you're communicating with people. But what I want people to remember is you've done it before. You've yes. been successful before. Yes. So you can do it again. It's the same. It's the mindset that you carry with you to the next mountain. Yeah. I love that. Exactly. No. Yes. Because we're always breaking new ground. Mm -hmm. wherever we are in a journey. And so I think imposter syndrome is never going to go away. Feeling like you're not enough is probably never going to go away, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, it, it is a daily thing. It's a daily thing that we need to battle to keep going and to be the best versions of ourselves and to shop for our team and for our business and for our clients and for our audience and everyone else. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it can be tough. But even the way that we're sharing like this now, like this is because hopefully your your listeners are listening to this and being like, yeah, that's sometimes that's how I feel too. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, a connection has just been born there, right? Like mm -hmm. that's the power of, of storytelling. Um, that's mm -hmm. the power of actually authentically connecting with your audience. So that's, yeah, by far the the biggest tip I guess I would I would give anyone is like how can you tap into that place that might feel really uncomfortable by the way mm -hmm. um to actually because that's how you can provide the best value um for your yeah. audience what have you seen is a good way for people to keep a pulse on what's what's actually happening out there and getting feedback you know, because there is a lot of competition. I think what one of the daunting things about business is that for for every new business that comes up, there's, you know, 10 other ones that are similar. And mm. so part of that challenge is feeling like, how do I differentiate myself? And, you know, I do want to put out myself out there and tell my story, but I also want to stay innovative, think yeah. ahead, understand that I am being proactive and wanting to, uh, you know, be ahead of the curve, you know, yeah. and, and one of the things I love, and the reason I thought of this question was because you talked about just the, <laughs> the tenacity that you had in the previous endeavor when you were walking up to people mm -hmm. and just flat out asking questions of getting their feedback, um, you know, yeah. short of people's time and maybe not everybody can, you know, go and walk up to all kinds of people. How, how can people keep a pulse and get feedback so they know what to continue working on and how to grow? Yeah, this is, um, so I think there's kind of a, a dual thing that we need to, to stay on top of. So, um, the first one, like the easiest thing, and, and I'm sure that everyone, you, you know, you, you, everyone would have heard this, is like you've got to speak to your audience. You've got to speak to your clients, especially if you do have clients, um, and sort of see, ask them what they want, like what problems are they solving, uh, what problems do they have. 
I think the thing too, because it's very easy for us to go like, oh, okay, I have to ask them what they want, ask them what they want. Um, but it's kind of like the whole Henry Ford thing, right? Which is like, if you had asked people what they wanted, they'd said they want a horse, a faster horse. Um, and instead of like this thing called a car. Um, and so, so I think it's really important to ask the right questions. So it's not so much what do they want, but what are the problems that they are actually having? What are the day-to-day things that they're actually struggling with then and there? Um, because once you, and, and rooted in the problem, because then, and then you can let yourself kind of go a little bit, I'll say wild in terms of like, let your imagination go loose. If you were going to solve for this problem, what are all of the different ways that you can solve for it? Um, so that's, I think that's the first thing is like, yes, you have to root it into real life. Like, you know, you want to make sure that you're actually solving a problem, but make sure you ask the right questions um, because, and it's not so much, I mean, it might be good to know what it is they want, but more so what is the problem, the actual problem that you're solving for, um, I think is the first thing. And it's interesting, you know, you talk about differentiation and stuff. And again, this goes back to my, you know, about storytelling is that the best way that we can actually differentiate ourselves in our marketing is because we are who we are. Like there is only one of me there's only one of you which means that if you can share that if you can share those stories and in a way because and I have my perspectives you have your perspectives like we are all different in that way and if you can bring that to life that's what starts to differentiate you in your messaging and in your content and in how you communicate with your audience yeah like your offer or or what it is that you sell at the end of the day is it going to be super differentiated maybe not that's that's okay but the reason why that's okay is because you might sell the exact same thing as me, but my audience might not vibe with you. Same thing, your audience might not vibe with me. And that's mm-hmm. because we're who we are. Right. And so that's why I'm a big, big believer that the, the best differentiating tool that you have is actually yourself um, yeah. and, and is who you are, your values, all of that. Um, and then the offer will come. By the way, like I am always, and you know, so I talk about my own journey. I even now am still trying to work out, like I kind of know what my offer is. I, I know at least what problem I'm, I'm solving for. In terms of how I do that, that's changing. That's evolving all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think any of us, like even big, you know, known giants, like even like a Tony Robbins and stuff, have it figured out. They're constantly evolving and you have to as the world changes, as the audience changes, as innovation happens, like things like new technologies, have like Blockchain, NFTs, that's becoming a big, big thing. Um, mm-hmm. AI, like all of that from a technology perspective is becoming a big thing. And it's like, so, yeah, you have to kind of like as that develops, yeah, you're going to have to work out how does that actually impact or play a part in your business and how can mm-hmm. you capitalize on those opportunities yourself? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so oh, my I God. Rant there. <laughs> no, that, no, that is that it, it makes so much sense. You know, one of the other things that came to me, um, because I, there's people that have been listening to your story and they've heard you say now that you started something, there was a, you know, there was some of a downward aspect, then you kept going and you've had to close things. And so basically there's been ups and downs, Mm -hmm. yet you do keep going and you do try new things. What keeps you motivated? Why do you continue to, to pursue new things when you have experienced failure and you have experienced hardship? 
That's, yeah, that's a really, really interesting question. I think I'd like to say it was something like, I don't know, I, I want to do good in this world and stuff. And like a part of it is that, but, you know, if I'm going to be completely honest, totally egotistical, I think it's because for me personally, I feel like there's this unfulfilled potential in me and that if I don't mm-hmm. keep going to try to actually fulfill that potential like I'll probably you know we always talk about when we're on our deathbed what are the things that we're going to regret and all of that and I'm like I think that's going to be the biggest thing right is like that would be kind of like the 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 internal death of me is like if I couldn't actually find a way to live my life in a way that I was I felt like I was fulfilling my potential I Mm. think at the at the core that's probably what does keep me going to be honest yeah and I, I I love that because I, I think that somewhere in all of us, we know that we're made for more. Mm. So it's exciting to see another yeah. mountain and say, I don't know how, <laughs> but I'll figure it out. Like, yeah. I'll figure it out. I'll yes. get a team of people. Because yeah. that one looks bigger and scarier, but I'll get the tools <laughs> and the resources. <laughs> right to make it to make it happen and and i think there there's excitement in that Mm. you know there's excitement in that and 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 not being complacent i don't i don't think i mean i'm just guessing a little bit at this point anybody that's tuned into my podcast called born unbreakable enjoys complacency you know if you're here it's because you are wanting to be the best version of yourself. Yeah. You, whether, even if it's a bad day, even if it was a hard day, and you are at that moment where you're giving up or you're going to sell something off or you're just like, I need to move on, there is more. Yes. There is more. You know, life, life is, it's this gift that we're given for the time that we're here (laughs) to actually do something and make a difference. And I think that that's, there's a little bit of that in all of us. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad I'm not alone. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's definitely a real, real thing for me, I think. Oh, I love that. Okay. So what's next? Because you do have so much going on and you've had this dynamic journey, what what is next for your business or what are some of the things you've been thinking about? Yeah, so funnily enough, I know that in um, when you started this podcast, uh, this episode, you said your word for the year was momentum. My word for the year is simplification. Because <laughs> I'm a classic overthinker. Yeah, and, you know, I've, I've, I've probably, I've thought... I've overthought things through to be so it's so complicated that I just need to simplify, simplify, simplify. So, you know, I, I, I'm definitely getting every day closer to that. Um, so mm-hmm. towards the end of last year, for example, I think I mentioned that we had gone into coaching for e-commerce business owners and it was really, it, it was, um, it got to the point, I think it was, this was September last year uh, where I was like, it just was something wasn't sitting right with me, quite right with me. Um, and I didn't know what it was. I didn't have, couldn't label, I just couldn't put anything to it. And then funnily enough, I was um, listening, I was at Funnel Hacking Live um, and it was just an event put on by ClickFunnels and Tony, Tony Robbins was a guest speaker. And he was talking about uh, like 
how how you can find fulfillment. Um, and one of he said one word and like everything clicked for me. I say everything, I don't mean it to be that dramatic. Some things click for me. <laughs> um, and, you know, because he said, you know, one of the, the reasons why a lot of us don't find fulfillment is because we focus on things that are missing rather than what we have. And in that moment, and I don't know, this must have been my subconscious, was like, I think why things weren't quite sitting right with me was because I was constantly focusing on the things that were missing, um, especially when I was in that in the business of coaching e-commerce business owners was because I was constantly thinking about what I need to know next and next. I was burning myself out with all of this. Whereas what I do have was I'm I'm an introvert who I've still been able to, I, I was, I've always been the introvert who never spoke up in class. Um, I did a law degree where 10% of marks was asking and I immediately was like, okay, well, I'm not going to get full marks because 10% is going to be gone. Um, even in corporate, even sitting in these rooms and stuff, like I was never the person who offered an opinion. I, you know, I was, I was always an introvert. Um, and yet I was still able to find success in those areas. And that for me, like that makes me remarkable in some way. And so then I thought about you know, everything that my clients and my audience are also struggling with, with telling, being able to tell their stories and stuff, because a lot of us don't believe we have anything remarkable about us. Like a lot of us don't think we just focus on what's missing, right? Well, then what we have, but oh, we yeah. all have. Well, you yeah. look at someone else's story, right? And you go, yes. well, you know, but they had this and exactly. they were able to talk about that, you know? So yeah, I'm yeah. just, I'm just, I'm just a small fish in a big pond, you know? Yeah, exactly. Right? But that's so not true. Like all of like we go on a journey, we all have stories, we all have experiences that happen for a reason and we should be, and that makes us individually remarkable. Like all of us are remarkable. And so that was when I had that, this epiphany that was like, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to be doing. I want to be helping entrepreneurs find their remarkability, take the crappiness out of content creation, out of lead gen, you know, solve solve that for them so that they can essentially, you know, to me, I coined this term, they can live their sloth boss life. You know, they can be intelligently lazy um, because they have the systems, they have the tools, they have the processes, they have the 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 mindset, they have the data in place that they can just kind of let their business kind of run but in an intelligent way where they are staying on top of the things that matter um so that's kind of I what i want have a, had a tagline that had the word sloth in it is awesome <laughs> yeah. that's awesome <laughs> yeah so i'm super excited about this i'm super excited about this year because we actually just launched capture end of last year literally at the end of last year so we're still early on in our journey but i'm so excited so right now we have um we have the software that helps entrepreneurs like actually you know you tell it your stories and it will spit out a bank of captions for you so short form content um it's it's like magic and then we have um a program where we actually help ceos in conjunction with that tool actually get really cost effective a really cost effective va to do all of their content creation all of their lead gen on social media for them so that they're literally only spending two hours a week if not less than that on social media activities like that is brilliant <laughs> that's, that's what we're doing. because if you okay first of all anybody who's just on social media regularly is spending a ridiculous hours yeah. if you're a business person of any kind i promise that you're spending way more than two hours yes. putting your posts 
sharing your content and then wanting to be consistent because maybe yes. you have to do something every day. So it yes. continues to build that feed, build that engagement, build that audience. Can you imagine not having to do that? How, like if you got that time back in your day, what would you be doing with your time? You'd actually be able to talk to people, right. do the, do the make work sales. that matters, <laughs> make sales, make connections, make relationships. Yeah. That is a huge lift off of people's shoulders. And the fact that you said that they can do it in a way that is cost effective is huge because that's the other thing is people are like, well, I don't want to offload this yeah. certain things is going to cost too much. I don't know if it's worth it. Um, yeah. Yeah. This so is big. I, I went a down a big that year for you. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be massive, but I uh, I'm so pumped. I'm so excited. This is this is oh my gosh. Definitely the mountain. I, I, I love this. <laughs> yeah. I they, well, and there's just so many people that I know need what you have. This is a pro this is a, a huge problem. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, I mean, I could think of the people I talk to every day that I would want to send to you that Imagine. is like, yeah. I spend too much time, too much time, too much time. I spend too much time. I need I need help. Amazing. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, everybody want. I mean, the point, you know, and if we're again, and that's why I love this conversation, we're being very honest to say, you know, it's we're, we're doing this. So we can be lazy. So we can do do other things. You know, you you want to work smarter, yes. not harder. I mean, you yes. got to work hard first, and then you you know to yes. figure things out because you don't know yes. what you don't know. But once you start knowing, then you can put things in place that's actually going to save you time, which is brilliant. But I definitely want to ask you some questions for people to get to know you a little bit better. So you know. The title of this podcast is called Born Unbreakable. <laughs> what what would you say makes you unbreakable? For for all the times that you've been down, you keep getting back up again. What is it for you that makes you do that? Um yeah, you know what? I've done a lot of work um on kind of like my mindset and everything because and what I do like to imagine, you know, you talk about unbreakable and the, when we break is when we're brittle, right, and we're hard to the point where something happens and we snap. And so I've had to do a lot of work because uh, that was probably me, like, in my younger years um, to, and I imagined myself like a rubber band, you know, like how can you stretch um, and, you know, things are going to happen where, you, you know, you're going to like, but it doesn't break you because you are, I guess, malleable in that way. So that's, you know, we, we talk about breaking, that's kind of, you know, one of the things that I that actually really helps me is like how can I actually stretch into this new phase, into this new whatever that's happening um, in a way that is constructive and productive and all of those things. So, yeah, I think that's one of the the biggest tools um, that, I, that I definitely lean on. Yeah, mindset is so important, right? It's everything. It's everything. It's everything. It's everything. Yeah. Okay. What is one thing that is on your bucket list? Oh, um, one thing on my bucket list, I would really like to at some point see the Northern Lights. I think that's that's one thing that, yeah, as an Aussie, we do a lot of traveling, but that's something that I have not yet been able to do and experience. So definitely, yeah, 
at some point that's going to happen. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's really fun. I love that. I love that. Okay, what is a self-limiting belief that you've had to overcome? Oh, so many. Where do I start? <laughs> you know what? Okay, so right now, um, the thing that I'm probably most struggling with is uh, my money mindset. It's all about my, my money mindset. You know, for me, I, again, you know, I grew up in an environment where money was the thing that was fought over. Money was the thing that was always the the limitation, never the opportunity. And I think that that, you know, for my, I know for, for me and my family and my business to get to the next level, like that's the thing that I'm going to have to overcome. Uh, it's not easy and I'm on that journey, uh, but I know that that's going to be a big, a big one from a mindset perspective. Oh, it's huge. And I, I truly do believe that it's very relatable. Mm. very relatable you know when, when we think about money and if somebody's listening and you've gone through a hard time you've gone through a, a season that is difficult sometimes it feels like there is limitations it's hard to see yeah. the opportunity it's hard to look, you know, see the forest through the trees and see like, oh, just past, you know, the horizon, there's all these things that are untapped. Yes. Um, but, you know, there's, there, there is this, this grit that I, I, I believe that we have deep within. And if we, if we search um, and do some of that soul searching, we, we find it and yeah. we can, you know, money can flow to us, you know, a lot, a lot quicker and a lot easier than I think we, we sometimes believe, you know? Mm. Okay. What about superpowers? If you had to say a superpower that you have, what <laughs> would you say that is? Oh my gosh. Um, a superpower, maybe like, complete self-awareness i don't even know if it's complete i just like I, I think that i'm not i'm not afraid to go to get to places inside of me <laughs> that sounds weird yeah. but you know, you know what i mean um because yeah i i know that fundamentally that is what is going to make us a better version of ourselves is if mm -hmm. we can tap into that um so i think that's something that i've probably been doing decently well at least very recently so yeah I'd say that. Yeah, I can, I can feel that about you. And I have to say that I wish everybody had that and wanted that. <laughs> I think, you know, a slightly better place. <laughs> well, it starts with that. I do, I yeah. do believe that in order for us to make the biggest impact, we have to be aware of, yeah. of all of it the things that are our strengths so we can go and give those gifts to the world, but also things that we struggle with, that we find challenge with, that we have to honestly seek, you know, support, assistance with that sometimes makes, you know, part of what sometimes makes someone feel less than is when they need, they need help or they have to, you know, get leverage. And I think to me, it just makes you smart because you know, where you need a compliment, right? Yes. Instead of trying to break your back to, to lean into a space that is a huge struggle for you, have people around you 
that love and enjoy and are vibrant in this area that you just, it's just not your thing. And it's a win-win, you know, mm -hmm. and that's, that's, what's the beauty of a team. And that's the beauty of meeting great people is being able to leverage one another's uh, gifts and talents. Totally. You know, so, oh, I love that. Self-awareness. Yes. <laughs> Everybody working with self-awareness. Um, Deirdre, you know, we, we, we've talked about so much today, but if, if you had to give a last piece of advice to anybody listening, what, what would it be? Um, so I guess something that's been on my mind um, lately because I've just been um, getting into some of James's, James Clear's stuff is, you know, every action that we take is a vote for the person we want to become. And that's really stuck with me uh, because it's so true, right? Like every action that stems from a decision or an, a thought that we have, every action that we take is, you know, it takes us either closer to that person we want to become or it takes us away from that person. So, you know, every time we do something like let's have a think about is that a vote in the right direction um and so that's yeah that's something that's stayed with me re very recently i love that and it and it's true i mean every day we ruminate on there's probably some study that says how many thoughts you know mm -hmm. in 24 hours run through our minds there's so many what I think the difference between what makes somebody achieve their goals and successful is action. Because regardless of whether or not you have to close a bakery or you have to decide that an idea wasn't worth pursuing, which means that you just need to go pursue the next one, you won't know mm -hmm. if you don't try. Exactly. So yeah. it takes something and that's something, and, and, and just remember, if you're listening, that's something, it doesn't, it's not always a monumental thing. Sometimes we think, okay, well, we have to have a half a million dollars first before we can go and, you know, buy this business or do something. It could be a phone call mm. to somebody who is an amazing resource or mentor that can give you information you didn't have before, you know? Okay. Love it that. could be getting getting a mentor. It could be, you know, getting feedback. A lot of the things that are actions don't have to cost something, but it does take your time. So you have to be willing to prioritize where you spend your time. And I think that's that's an important part of it is as long as there's a, a value add to the yeah. action, you know, that you're taking. Okay, so... How can people reach you? How can people follow the work you're doing and connect with you if they want to ask more or learn more? Yeah, so I am obviously available on social media platforms. It's just my name, Deidre Shen, D-E-I-R-D-R-E-T-S-H-I-E-N, um, or DeidreShen.com, um, or I'm also holding a four-day boot camp in a couple of weeks' time to actually talk through the strategies of a lot of what I spoke about around uh, you know, how do you actually get known, get credibility, get, get leads on social media while only spending two hours a week? Um, I actually go through that in a four-day boot camp. You can sign up for that at captureunlocked.com slash scale. What? <laughs> I didn't know that was coming. That's really huge. I'm telling you, if you're listening, and I'm, this was like 
unsolicited moment. You know, I didn't know <laughs> that you're having this boot camp. But this is what I would say, you know, after having done so many different things, I've done multi-level marketing companies. I've, you know, do my own thing. I work for corporate America. There's, you know, we all do try different things. One of the biggest ways that you're going to get momentum in your year is by doing things early. What you do now sets the tone for everything. So it's the first quarter of the year still. And at first, you know, because I've been done business for so long, I think in quarters <laughs> and I think about what I do and the decisions I make in Q1 are going to affect and have a downstream, you know, impact on everything else. Mm -hmm. So if you invest the time to do things like this workshop that Deirdre is talking about um, and, and invest in learning so that you can gain the knowledge and do things better, faster, you know, and so you can actually get more time back in your day, that's, it's, it's worth the investment. So, so definitely check that out um, because that's going to be a really big value add for, um, for anybody that is trying to grow, you know, their business. Um, I, um, I learned so much today. I'm so grateful, Deirdre. This has been oh. an amazing Thank amazing you. hour. Yeah, you've you've been amazing yeah. to I love it. Now I'm I'm so inspired. I'm like I have a whole to-do list too. I got to go to Australia, you know. <laughs> adopt a koala. I got to I got to adopt a koala. I have to, <laughs> you know, I do and I do want to to send more people to to you um, because of what you do and, you know, to take advantage of things like your workshop, because we're, we're kind of, like you said, it's crazy. We're all in this together. Yeah. A lot of the problems that we face, we figure it out because we talk to each other yes. and go like, well, what are you doing? Cause this is just, this is crazy. This takes too long. Yes. I need, I need like, I just want an extra hour of sleep. How can I get that? <laughs> you know? Totally. <laughs> I just give me an hour so somebody else can do, you know, something else on social media for me because it's just too much. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But this is so awesome. I'm excited to follow the journey of everything that you just talked about is happening. Um, you are brilliant. I think that your, your, your perseverance is unmatched. I, you know, I think about the number of, of businesses that you've done and the fact that you're, you're still going. I mean, <laughs> If, you know, we had a conversation, um, which I would love to do regularly with you to check in. I can only imagine, you know, where things mm. are going to be yeah. a year and three years from now. Yeah, for sure. Love that. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I, I look forward to the next time we're able to do this. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Thanks, Deirdre. Bye. There has been an emphasis the last two episodes on this importance of marketing and storytelling. Met with Elizabeth Thorne and now Deirdre Shin, and there is a trend that we're seeing in terms of making sure that our differentiation and our uniqueness is out there by doing personal storytelling for our own brand and our own business. So I love hearing different entrepreneurs and founders of companies pointing out themes that help us as consumers and entrepreneurs ourselves to do better in the marketplace. 
Uh, but the other key point that I want to make about Deidre Shen, who is amazing, is failing forward and that perseverance and what she pointed out. She talked a little bit about, you know, maybe it's ego. I think it's more than that. When I asked her, what keeps you going despite the challenges and the failures? And she talked about fulfilling potential and knowing that there's more to do. I just want you to know if you're listening, we have that in us. We all have that in us. There is this potential and it grows and it grows and we fulfill it by pursuing new things, leaning into our creativity, following our instincts, partnering with the right people, asking the right questions. So don't give up. We're all in the relentless pursuit of betterment, whether we want to admit that to ourselves or not, because I don't think that you would be listening to this podcast if anything was, if that wasn't the case. So If you're leaving this episode, I want you to leave with knowing that you have limitless potential and I want you to ask yourself today, what action do I need to take? Because she talked about those small actions. What action do I need to take in order to get me a step closer to that goal? What phone call do you need to make? What email do you need to send? What money do you need to put aside? It can be big, it can be small, but take a step, take an action. And that is why I always say, you are your only limit. And I truly do mean that. So take action today. That's how we get things done. That's how we have forward momentum. I'm so grateful that you're here. Make sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Share this episode with somebody who you think could benefit from it. And hey, give a review if you haven't already. It means a lot to me. It helps others be able to find this podcast faster. And I just sincerely appreciate you so much, so, 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 so much. So be sure to tune in again next week for another inspiring episode of the Born Unbreakable podcast.